was Baxter Potts happy. He was an unmarried Watford fan. He was a Watford fan because he lived in the town. He was unmarried because, figuratively, he was married to the club. At the age of 73, he was proud to tell people that he hadn't missed a first-team match, home or away, for more than 30 years. He'd kept ticket stubs from every game. It wasn't just a failure to throw them away. When his season ticket became an electronic pass, he got the club to print in paper tickets as well. It was extra work for the people in the ticket office, but Baxter wanted physical proof he'd attended every match. He'd also kept every match programme. He took a biro to games so he could record the actual Watford starting 11 and substitutes on the printed team list. It was another way of showing that he was present. He regarded his programme collection as another witness to his support for the club. He had other memorabilia too. He'd acquired match-worn versions of every home shirt in which Watford had played during his time as a fan, including a V-necked yellow shirt that the club wore for the first two months of the 1962-63 season and never again. He reckoned he was the only person who owned this design, so he posted a photo of it on Facebook, mentioning that he thought other people would be interested to see such a historic item. Really, though, he just wanted other people to know that he, Baxter Potts, owned it. And, by extension, that he, Baxter Potts, owned 1962-63. He spent quite a lot of time on Facebook groups. When members of the groups recalled old matches, he would always comment, I was there. Never anything more, just, I was there. He wasn't interested in further discussion of wonderful memories that Watford fans treasure. He was simply marking his territory, declaring possession. I was there. For anything else, Facebook wasn't much use to Baxter. He saw no point in developing friendships with people who didn't support Watford, and he saw fellow fans as competitors. He had no friends. Was Baxter Potts happy? It's hard to say. Men like Baxter are to be found following all football clubs. They brandish their loyalty because it makes them feel a sense of status. It bolsters their self-esteem. Is that happiness? Maybe proper happiness awaited him in the blissful afterlife paradise of Hornet Heaven. Hornet Heaven How to be happy Written by Ollie Wickham Read by Colin Mace Earth Season 2023-24 In December 2023, Baxter Potts passed away. After a short period of time in a white mist, he arrived in the afterlife, materialising near the bottom of Yellow Brick Road, as Occupation Road had recently been renamed. Where am I? Hornet Heaven's chief steward, Daisy Meriden, was there to welcome him. You're in Hornet Heaven, babes. For the rest of eternity. Don't worry, it's a great place, babes. Better than down on Earth. Baxter glanced down at the surface he was standing on. Better? I don't like these yellow bricks. Well, down on Earth, babes, the road's called Yellow Brick Road now. So up here we got it repaved like this as a special Hornet Heaven tribute to Sir Elton. But I don't want the name to change. 
This has always been Occupation Road to me. The name belonged to me. Belonged, babes. In my memory, this road is Occupation Road. Having to change how I think of it as Yellow Brick Road messes with my memories. My memories belong to me. Daisy nodded sympathetically and said a lot of other people were struggling with the change too. Then she started to lead Baxter up the slope towards the Troy Deeney atrium. Well, there's plenty about Hornet Heaven you'll definitely love, babes. You can watch every Watford game for the rest of time. Baxter stopped walking. Really? Yeah, babes. Incredible, ain't it? Baxter tuned out for a few moments, so he missed Daisy saying something about Hornet Heaven being a happy community of Watford fans with shared memories and shared hopes. He missed it because he was busy thinking to himself, Good. That means I can carry on my run of consecutive games forever. He carried on walking up the yellow-bricked slope with Daisy. She looked young, he thought, and she had the sort of 21st century accent a lot of kids had nowadays. He guessed she couldn't have been a supporter for long. He asked her, When was your first Watford match, Daisy? When I was only a few months old, babes. My dad took me to the 5-2 home win over Coventry in 2002. Baxter smiled to himself. She was no competition. I was there. In the Troy Deeney atrium, Daisy introduced Baxter to Bill Mainwood, Hornet Heaven's head of programmes. Bill gave Baxter the orientation he gave to all new arrivals. And as well as watching every Watford match for the rest of time, Baxter, another great thing about Hornet Heaven is that you can go back to watch old Watford games too. Bill always paused at this point to let new arrivals absorb this wonderful news. Baxter said, Right, that's not fair. Hey, not fair? Yeah, not fair. It means people can say they've been to a game even though they weren't actually there when they were alive. But supporting a club isn't about saying you've been, Baxter. People will be boasting they haven't missed a game since 1881 or something. It's cheating. Bill noticed that Baxter seemed to go into a bit of a sulk, but he carried on anyway. Anyway, it's really easy to go to games up here, Baxter, home or away. All you have to do is go through the ancient turnstiles on Yellow Brick Road. Baxter said, Occupation Road, as I'll always call it, Bill continued, and make sure you're carrying a programme for the game. Bill gestured across the atrium towards the vast sweep of shelving that housed programmes for every Watford game in history. There were dozens of afterlife residents browsing and helping themselves to what was clearly a much-loved community resource. Baxter scowled and said, Do you have any biros up here? As soon as his orientation session with Bill Mainwood was over, Baxter got busy. He started going to old matches through the ancient turnstiles. He wanted to be able to say that he'd been to every Watford match ever. He started with the very first game, a Watford Rovers friendly in a meadow in 1881. After that, he went to dozens more friendlies against the likes of Uxbridge Caxtonians, London Orphan Asylum and the Oxy and New Bushy Recreation Society. Quite quickly, he realised the task was going to be a chore because there were decades of matches ahead of him but he was determined to stick with it. He wanted to claim attendance at even the most obscure Watford game. He wanted to be able to say to people, 
Do you remember the 9-0 win over City Ramblers at Rosencrown Meadow in November 1884? I was there. Laboriously, he ploughed his way through to the 1885-86 season. In the February, he saw Freddie Sargent score six goals in an away win at Acton FC. He said to Bill Mainwood in passing, Did you ever see Freddie's double hat-trick at the old Gunnersbury Lane ground? I was there. But at that point he changed his approach. He started leaving games before the end. He'd never done this before, down on earth. He'd taken pride in witnessing every minute of every game. But in Hornet Heaven there were so many games to get through that he just wanted to get on to the next one. Saving a few minutes helped. Soon after that there were notable matches like Watford's first appearance in the FA Cup in October 1886. But Baxter didn't hang around to the final whistle. And after a couple more seasons, he decided that 60 minutes was plenty to qualify him as having been at a match. So he missed seeing Freddie Sargent lift the first silverware in the club's history at the end of the Hearts County Cup final in March 1889. To Baxter's way of thinking, though, he could still say, I was there. One day, as Baxter was fetching a programme from the Troy Deeney atrium, he bumped into Bill Mainwood again along with Bill's 13-year-old assistant, Derek Garston. Baxter told them how he was busy going to every Watford game ever. Crikey, Mr Potzer, Derek said. I did that when I first arrived in Hornet Heaven in 1921, Mr Potzer. I caught up with every Watford game by about 1927, and I've remained fully up to date since. I'm a Watford ever-present, Mr Potzer. Bill noticed that Baxter looked peeved to be lagging behind a 13-year-old. Don't worry, Baxter. You've got plenty of time to complete the set. Forever, in fact. Why don't you approach it a little more slowly? It would give you time to get to know a few other people up here and make friends. I've never needed friends. You should come along to some of the social events we run, like Derek's regular quiz night on Thursdays, or my Away Days Anecdotes sessions every Tuesday. No thanks. I want to put my time to proper use by getting my numbers up. Derek piped up. You've got a long way to go to catch everyone else up, Mr Potzer. I mean, even Mr Mainwood has been to every game ever, haven't you, Mr Mainwood, sir? Bill nodded apologetically. Baxter looked even more peeved. Then Derek made things worse. A much better measure, Mr Potzer, is how many games a fan has been to more than once. More than once? Yes, Mr Potzer. There are more than a thousand games that I've been to multiple times. What's your tally, Mr Potzer? The answer, obviously, for someone who'd just arrived from the land of the living, was no. Baxter walked away with a look of determination on his face. He didn't want to be outdone. Was Baxter Potts happy? No, he wasn't. As a result of meeting Derek, Baxter made two adjustments to his routine for ticking off appearances at historic Watford matches. The first was to reduce the amount of time he spent the matches from 60 minutes to two minutes. This was enough for him to say he was there, he decided. Obviously it meant he never got to see what went on to happen in the games, but to Baxter's mind, this was less important. 
The second adjustment was that each time he got back from the game, through the ancient turnstiles back onto Yellow Brick Road, he turned around and went through the turnstiles again, twice more in quick succession, so that he could say he'd been to the game three times. I was there. Several times. Whizzing round and round in the turnstile made him feel dizzy, but he put up with it. He was dead set on overtaking Derek's numbers. Baxter Potts doesn't remember how he became the Watford fan he did. And he was only seven. But how it happened was this. His dad always went out on Saturdays, fishing. Or so his dad said anyway. Right, son, I'm off fishing for the day. Can I come, Dad? <laughs> You'll find it boring, son. You go to the football with your friends. But dads and sons are meant to do things together. And we never do. Can't you come to the football? <laughs> I'd find it boring. But don't you want to be with me, Dad? Of course I want to be with you, son. Then why can't you... Tell you what, let's do a deal, lad. When you've been to nine matches, I'll come along to the tenth. That gives you something to look forward to and work towards. Young Baxter agreed the deal and set about earning his dad's attention. His dad kept to the agreement and eventually, after Baxter's tenth match, dad had to put up with an intrusion into one of his Saturdays by going with his son to a dreadful one-all draw against Barra. Dad knew where he'd rather be, so he set about praising Baxter for his achievement. Oh, well done, son. You made that look easy. Let's set you something harder. Fourteen matches instead of nine this time. Baxter lapped up the praise and threw himself into the new challenge, oblivious to his dad's machinations. Right, Dad, you watch me. But Baxter remembers none of this. He just knows that not long afterwards, his dad took a job in another part of the country and he never heard from his father again. All the letters he sent his dad with updates on the numbers of games he was going to went unanswered. Steady, mate. <laughs> You'll be too dizzy to stand. Wow, you're all over the shop. You look like you're in one of those comedy half-time penalty competitions, you know, where they make you lose your balance first. Careful, mate. Don't try and... Ouch. Oof. Are you all right, mate? Mate? Wednesday, April the 29th, 1959. Dear Dad, Yesterday I went to my 14th Watford match since the Barrow game we went to together. It was an evening game against Shrewsbury Town. It was 5-2 to Shrewsbury, but the match was abandoned before the end because the floodlights wouldn't work and it was too dark. And the newspaper this morning said someone had stolen the fuses to try and stop Shrewsbury from getting promoted and that the league is going to decide if the results should stand or if the game needs to be replayed. But I think it should definitely count as my 14th game, which means you have to come to the next game because you promised. Please reply to this letter, Dad. I don't know why you haven't replied to all my other letters, but it's very important to reply to this one. If the game is replayed, it will take place next week and you have to come, so you must reply. Please reply. Please. Love from Baxter. 
the guys over here, Bill. Is he going to be all right? Baxter lay unconscious on the ground a few yards from the ancient turnstiles. Two men crouched over him. Bill Mainwood and a granite-jawed old man with deep wrinkles and a buzz cut. What do you think, Pat? Will he be okay? <laughs> of course he will. I know what I'm doing. Cold water and a magic sponge in the face sorts everyone out, every time. It's the answer to everything. <laughs> Baxter woke up in shock, wet. What? What just... Off you get, lad, and oh. run it off. Pat Malloy? What are you... Pat Malloy, Watford Football Club's longest-serving physio, patted Baxter on the shoulder and trotted away in exactly the way Baxter had witnessed countless times on the Vicarage Road pitch in the 1960s and 70s. Bill helped Baxter up. Baxter asked, uh, What happened? You fell and hit your head on the new bricks, Baxter. Baxter said, Blasted yellow brick road. I told Daisy it was a bad idea. Bill continued. What on earth were you doing, spinning around in a turnstile like that? Baxter said, going to a Watford Rovers game. Five times, Bill said. Well, no harm done, I suppose. Let me help you back to the atrium so you can rest up. In the atrium, Baxter lay back on one of the yellow leather sofas. He watched Bill sit down on the sofa opposite. Bill looked concerned. I must say, Baxter, I do wonder what you were doing. It's almost as if you were trying to compete with Derek over how many times you've been through the turnstile. Baxter was already feeling embarrassed about what had happened. The suggestion that he'd come to grief in a contest with a schoolboy didn't help. Well, I... It's just... Being a Watford fan isn't a competition, Baxter. I'm always telling Derek that, but he's 13, so he does have a tendency to show off. Baxter noted the implication that, as a 73-year-old man, he was showing off like a child. He felt even more embarrassed, not least because the implication was essentially true. Bill continued, If Derek hadn't died so young, poor thing, he might have grown out of it, but... Actually, I think it's all quite deep-seated. He had a difficult childhood, you see. His dad went away and never came back. This struck a chord with Baxter. Really? Bill continued. It was during the First World War, Baxter. Derek's dad died at the Somme when Derek was eight. It had a big impact on the boy, I reckon. Losing your dad would affect anyone. Baxter said, Yes... It would. Bill continued. I've often wondered if he's so competitive because down on earth he was trying to prove something to someone, you see. To himself, perhaps, or to the dad he was missing. Do you suppose that kind of thing could be at the heart of it? Baxter said. Well, I, I, I don't know, Bill. I suppose it's a possibility. Bill continued. Anyway... The upshot is that Derek doesn't seem to have realised that in Hornet Heaven it's so easy to go to games that it's no great shakes at all how many games you've been to. I mean, that must be obvious to a new arrival like yourself, mustn't he? Baxter felt blindsided. Somehow it hadn't been obvious. Of course, Bill, 
Yeah, anyone can grab a program and stroll through the ancient turnstiles whenever they'd like. <laughs> what fool would bother counting games? Exactly. I'd have hoped Derek would have understood that by now. Dear, oh dear, Bill. <laughs> a silly boy. Baxter was referring to himself. Finally, Bill said, The thing is, Baxter, in Hornet Heaven, personal attendance records just don't matter. Going to watch Watford is something we all do as a community activity, as little or as often as the mood takes us. We're all fans together. No contest. Baxter looked at Bill and smiled, as if a great burden was being lifted from him. After that, Baxter stopped flogging through all the old matches and started settling into Hornet Heaven properly. The next Tuesday, he went along to one of Bill's away day anecdotes sessions. A former player called Harry Barton was there. <laughs> he travelled to the game by Sharabang, and the manager, Johnny Allgood, was sitting up front with a driver. <laughs> Which meant he couldn't see that Birdie Banks and I were in the back row, tucking into the bottles of scotch we'd hidden in our kit bags. <laughs> we were roaring drunk long before we got anywhere close to the ground in Wickham, and Bertie still scored a hat-trick. <laughs> Another former player was there too, George Catlow. Well, when I played in the 1950s, our gaffer, Neil McBain, didn't even try and hide his drinking. He used to stop the team coach at the pub on the way to away games. <laughs> <laughs> My kind of manager. <laughs> Baxter enjoyed hearing people's tales. He became interested in what other fans had to say. He chatted to people. He made friends. At the end of the session, he went up to Bill and said, That was great, Bill. There was such a good feeling in the room. Yes, we all get on better when everyone expresses themselves and feels heard. That's not what used to happen on Facebook. You know, I think I might start up a group or two myself, Bill. The next week in the atrium, Baxter ran the first session of something he called a Shirt Appreciation Group. He concentrated on getting other people talking so that they'd feel good. He managed to avoid mentioning his own collection of match-worn Watford kits down on earth. Henry Grover was there, the man who founded Watford Rovers. Henry said, Ah, I'll never forget it, Baxter, old thing. It was January 1975. I went along to a friendly match at home to Spurs on a Friday night and suddenly the team ran out of the tunnel in... Gold and black stripes. Oh, oh, imagine my excitement. Baxter was enjoying hearing about other people's passions. He said to Henry, And do you remember something else new and different about those shirts, Henry? Oh, yes, old nubbin. Oh, yes, indeed. The numbers on the back of the shirts were... Red. Afterwards, Freddie Sargent came up to Baxter and thanked him for an enjoyable session. That was great, Baxter. Thanks, Freddie. Glad you enjoyed it. I was wondering, were you at the Hearts County Cup final in 1892 when we beat Hoddesdon? Baxter answered with a phrase he'd never spoken before. It came to him quite easily. No, I wasn't there. 
He added, Why do you ask, Freddy? So, you don't know what kits we wore? Kits? Plural? Some of us had the usual yellow and amber shirts, but some of us had the old Watford Rovers blue, and my brother Alec was in white. We looked a right ragtag and bobtail bunch, but we still lifted the cup. Amazing, Freddy. I want to go and see that. Just for the fun of it. The following week, Baxter started up a programme appreciation group. While he was busy preparing for it, he missed a new Watford match, the home cup tie against Chesterfield. He was fine about it, though. He knew that in Hornet Heaven he could catch up with matches at any point in the future. The first session focused on the amazing artwork on the front covers of Watford's programmes during the behind-closed-doors season of 2020-21. A fan called Ian talked about the cover from the game against Nottingham Forest. I mean, it's just beautiful. They've created an image of João Pedro in his Watford kit at sunset in a Brazilian shanty town with gorgeous graffiti on the walls and the whole thing looks golden. It's a thing of total beauty. Ian's enthusiasm made Baxter wish he hadn't defaced his Nottingham Forest programme down on earth by scribbling on it with a biro. Afterwards, as everyone chatted, Derek Garston came up to Baxter and said, Well, uh, that was great, Mr Potzer. Thanks, Derek. It was great to see so many people enjoying themselves. Which season are you going to cover next time, sir? 1959-60 is next. The first year the match programme contained action photographs from recent games. 1959-60, sir? What a season, sir. Our first Football League promotion season, sir. Do you know how many times I've watched that season, sir? I don't, Derek. <laughs> but I reckon you're about to tell me. Seven times, Mr Potts, sir. Seven times. Baxter smiled to himself. In the past, this would have felt like bait. But he felt no urge to rise to it. Not anymore. Instead, he said, you know, Derek, I'm wondering whether to start up another new discussion group. I wonder if you'd be interested, Derek. What kind of group, sir? One where we compare our supporting records, sir? Not quite. More, um... Well, you see, Derek, I'm someone who went to watch Watford as a son without a dad, and... Are you, Mr Potts, sir? Me too. Baxter watched as Derek's face softened a little, almost as if a mask was melting away. We've got that in common, then. Yeah, yes, yes. It's, um, I've never really, uh, um... Is it something you feel you'd like to talk about? Well, 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 Mr Potts, sir, I, 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 um... Obviously, you don't have to if you don't want to. Actually... Maybe I shouldn't have mentioned it. Maybe it's a bad idea. Uh, no, 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 Mr Potzer, it's not. I, I do wish I, I could have gone to games with my dad, sir. And I also wish I had a dad up here. It's just that I don't know, Mr Potzer. I'm not sure I, I feel ready to talk about it, sir. And that's fine, Derek. But if one day you do feel ready, just let me know. Thank you. 
Mr. Potts, sir. I will, sir. Baxter nodded and smiled again. He was in a good place. He found his way from always saying, I was there, to being there for others. Was Baxter Potts happy? He was now. The End How to Be Happy was written and produced by Ollie Wickham. It was read by Colin Mace. For more information on the Hornet Heaven stories, please visit hornetheaven.com. Thank you for listening.